The following program is intended for mature audiences. Gentlemen, let's broaden our minds. It's Big Boom Radio Friday, people, so it's time once again for the Big Boom Radio podcast, Riffs and Rants, with Johnny Teflon and Michael Sean Lee. Both barrels, both sides, and a lot of good music, too. All I know is this violates every canon of respectable broadcasting. Indeed it does, my friend, indeed it does. And we'll be right back, folks, after the first gem of the day.
Good, fun, whimsical, satirical yes, tune. Yes, just a wee bit. Uh, indeed. Uh, in other words, good evening. My name is Jesus, and now the news. Hey, we've got on our side, <laughs> and Jesus on Fox. <laughs> that was a little ditty by uh, the band Genesis. Yes. Back from 1991 off wow. of the uh, I Can't Dance album. That was 91? That was 1991. I would have pegged that mid to late 80s. That's, yep. wow. Yep. Okay. Well, it's, that's why it's, it's classic Genesis. Yeah, no doubt. But uh, that one actually reached number 23 on the Billboard charts. Mm. Stalled up there, but did well, of course, for them all over the world. Yeah. Uh, if you've ever seen the video, it is a direct poke at televangelists and televangelism. Of yeah. the uh, of the era, the the Jim Bakers, the Jimmy Swaggers. Yep, yep. It kind of it kind of seems to me that if you didn't live during that era, you wouldn't understand how prevalent correct that whole uh, thing with the preachers and the, mm-hmm. the money and, and all this stuff became. I had a great cocaine bindle that was from that time uh, <laughs> cover when Jimmy Swagger, I think it was Swagger, went on and was, I have sinned. You remember right, that? Right, yep, yep. Yeah, that was vintage 80s, which is why I, and so was Genesis, which is yep. kind of why I was surprised. And it was, it was all over the place. It was know? like one scandal after another. And that's why Phil Collins, who's normally noted for his uplifting kind of lyrics, yeah. went lowball on this one because he was just tired of seeing it. No doubt. And it was actually based on, and I forget the, the chap's name, a British televangelist of the period, really? who when he saw the video knew that he was made up to look like him and took it as a compliment because no the dumbass didn't listen to the rest <laughs> of the lyrics, you know, as, as is well, typical. Given the, given the ego that those guys oh, had yeah. back totally. in the day. And like I said, there was just, just a cavalcade of them. There was yep. one after the other after the other. And it's kind of funny that it was apparently happening across the pond as well. Yes. This was not a strictly American thing. This was going on over there. They're all cut from the same cloth. I know, and if you see the video, it just you see the character that Phil plays mm-hmm. and it just reminds you of all of them. You know, he just he nailed, you know, the aspects that or the characteristics, I guess you could say that every single one of them had. Yep. And uh, and yeah, if you get a chance yeah, great video. A lot of, lot of funny shit in that video. Indeed. And, and the reason we started off with this particular song... We had a reason? We have a reason. All right. And uh, this is something that I kind of spearheaded over the last week, folks. So let, let Michael Sean Lee off the hook on this one. I need to know, uh, what is up with the influx of religion on Fox News? Yeah. <laughs> and while they've always skewed towards um, the more evangelical set, let's say. Yeah. As of late, they're really going out of their way um, versus even only a year ago to inject as many religious Christian, specifically, really? references as possible up to and including published works by a lot of their various broadcasting talents about their faith. Okay. Stories from the Bible, stories from the Bible as it relates to raising children. Yeah, yeah. You know, commercial breaks with Mike Huckabee, you know, teaching children how to pray with little books with the Founding Fathers sitting in the pew, like, in, in prayer. And then, of course, the the uh, ever-present commercials from um, the My Pillow guy with his little crucifix oh, dangling yeah, Mike, out of his shirt. What's his name? Swindell, is it? Yeah, Mike wasn't Wendell? he a, like, crack addict or something? Like yes, that? yeah, that's okay. his claim to fame. And now, of course, he's, he's born again, which is, look, which is of fantastic. Course he is. Of course he is. But, yeah, it's just kind of like he's also... Corrupt and ignorant, which is uh, <laughs> what we're going to touch on because, you know, 
I am, in the interest of full disclosure, a mm. non-practicing Catholic. Okay. I've got my own little personal relationship with God. Better than some people, worse than others. All right. But I don't want to see religion on my nightly news. Right, right. Johnny, I know it'll come as a shock to uh, the uh, Riffs and Rants audience, the ever-growing Riffs and Rants audience, I must say, uh, but I don't watch much Fox News, so I'm going to have to kind of take your word for it as no far as what's there. going on here. I know, I know, it's a shock, <laughs> big shock. Um, you know, given that Rupert Murdoch is behind it, mm -hmm. um, my first thought, you know, like anytime I look at uh, mass murder or anything like that, it's, it's what was the motive? Right. You know, what's going on here? What's, what's the bottom line with mm -hmm. these guys? And here's the thing. To me, it stinks on ice because as our regular listeners know, I abhor hypocrisy. Indeed. And very simply, Fox, like all the other major news networks, has an agenda, okay? Yeah. So you don't need to be a Bible scholar to recall one of the commandments, thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor. I've heard that. Now you should listen to this because this concerns you. And I'm not saying that Fox or really any of these other channels come out and inherently lie, mm -hmm. but they skew the shit out of every single news story yeah. to vilify and or make the quote-unquote other side look incompetent or just very unappealing. Okay. okay? Right. And to me, that in and of itself doesn't follow any of the tenets of the Christian faith. Right. Right off the bat. Right. Okay. Well, I, I think you and I probably, it's funny because I am the token heathen. Scumbag. Uh, Big Moon Radio, You are a godless, uh, <laughs> unwashed person. Yes, you are. But once upon a time, <laughs> once upon a time, I, I was heavily involved with the Catholic religion, so there is the foundation there. I have a very rudimentary knowledge of what's going on here. And I think you and I both feel the same way as far as... Um, when you mix religion with something like the news media, mm -hmm. it, in some way it cheapens it. Yes. It, it, it dilutes it. It, it. it gives it a false quality, I guess, for lack of a better word. Right. You know, I think we probably attribute it, and it, this is something that's, that's, that's wonderful about Americans and who we are. Of course, I'm making reference to the First Amendment, that Congress shall make no laws are respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof. Mm -hmm. He who breaks the law goes back to the house of pain. When you associate religion with the news media, you know, as we've discussed on, on numerous occasions, the news media doesn't really report news anymore. They advance a narrative. Right. When you tie in religion to it, it's almost like you're, you're uh, implying, or maybe in this case, maybe they're blatantly saying it, I don't know, um, that the religion is in agreement with the narrative. Mm -hmm. And again, you know, given that First Amendment thing, you know, we, we're not comfortable with that. We're right. not comfortable with that at all. I mean, because religion in and of itself, it could, it's fine to set your personal agenda based on the tenets of, of your chosen faith, whatever sure. it is. Sure. But using that as a basis by which to cast a net of government over a myriad of peoples doesn't work. Right. That's why we've got it in the Constitution that it is going to be separated. Yeah. It should be separated in the schools. And following that, that same line of logic, it should be separated from the, the news source, mm -hmm. which is supposed to be just telling it like it is. Yeah. You can't tell it like it is if you've got an agenda supporting it. Message! 
Oh, yeah. Simple as that. Well, the whole idea of separating uh, church and state was pretty radical shit when they came up with this back in the you know mm-hmm. 1770s, early 1780s, whatever. You know, especially if you look at world history and how religion and government have commingled, you know, over the centuries. You know, you go back to like Imperial Japan, believing that their their emperor was a descendant of God or was in fact a God himself. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, you know, you being a Catholic and me being, uh, I don't know, denounced Catholic, <laughs> for lack of a better word, we both know that the Vatican has been meddling in global affairs for centuries. True. Uh, the British monarchy created the Church of England. Mm-hmm. And of course, the Middle East. Yeah. You know, Islam and government hand in hand with those guys. And our view of that is that it's a shit show on wheels. Mm-hmm. You know, particularly given what's going on in Iran right now. Right. You know, so yeah, again, it, this is a, this is a, uh, it was once upon a time a radical idea. And it should be noted that there are certain people to this day that don't agree with it in America. Mm. You know, they do think that religion and government should be intermingled. And given that religion has been used in the past as a means to establish a morality and, and an order, you know, in civilization, mm-hmm. you know, I'm not saying I agree with it, but these people probably do have an argument. Yeah. You know, so what are your thoughts on that? Well, first, as a sidebar, you mentioned um, Iran. I don't know if you caught that uh, kind of a documentary miniseries they've got on HBO about the Iran hostage crisis. Yes, I did. I was transfixed. That was an amazing, amazing documentary. And the scary thing I walked away with was that, you know what, if that happened there, that could happen here. Yeah. Because it wasn't like the whole country was enamored all of a no. sudden with the Islamic faith, and that was the way they wanted to go. There was a void. Oh, yeah. And there was a massive disenchantment with the government they had, and these, these religious fanatics filled in the, to... to Fill the void. Oh, yeah. Well, what frequently happens and what apparently happened with the Shah is it got to a point where the haves were mm-hmm. a very small group and the have-nots were a very large group. Yeah. And at one point, the have-nots decided, we ain't having this anymore. Yep. But yeah, prior to you know this, this shit show with the Ayatollahs in Iran... It was a very secular government, and it, it, they were some of our biggest... They were our biggest ally in the Middle East. They yep. were our guys over there. The Shah was our guy. And the way they portray the Shah as just indefeasible, I think that's the word, indefeasible. Is that what, yeah. So, um, yeah, I think so. Indi- yeah, indefeasible. Yeah. That'll work. Yeah. <laughs> and then, just like anybody else, you get that out of touch, and before you're just reading your own press clippings, you have yeah. no idea what's coming. Oh, yeah, well, didn't <laughs> it come to a head? They had just this most ridiculously indulgent, decadent yes. um, state party, mm-hmm. affair, whatever, mm-hmm. that was just rubbing it in the face yeah. of, you know, the poor bastards that were, like, wringing out the towels to get a drop of moisture outside right. the palace. Sure. And that was really what, what that was the, the final straw, I guess. Yeah. It's, that, it's like our president doing a weird flex in a press conference, having to mention multiple times how he's got a classic Corvette in his garage. <laughs> yes, as well as my Corvette. That really oh. offended you. I've noticed that. That's burnt my ass. It's but that's a story for another day. It is, though it is a <laughs> freaky picture, the idea of... Joe Biden behind the wheel of a convertible or anything. <laughs> yeah, yeah, really. So mm. back on topic. Anyway, yes. <laughs> you know the um, like I said, Fox has always been just known as, um, and let's use the the, the pandering word because it is what it is. Yeah, their their audience skews older. That's their demographic. Older and white. Older and white, right? Yeah. I'm not happy. I don't like this chair, and I don't like this desk, and I don't like being here. Yes, the the idea of the religious references and the reverence to all those conservative 
ideals yeah. and, and sentimentalities and, and, you know, where they place the importance on the things of yesteryear, whereas no other channel does. Right. All that appeals to their audience already, but it's already built in. Yeah. They're taking it to the next level. Right. Okay. If you go to Fox.com, they literally have the Bible verse of the day. Wow. Which is just mind-blowing wow. for a news organization. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. I mean, shit, my local paper growing up, they had, they had the family circus <laughs> with some stupid... And yet, that always had a holier-than-thou theme to it, it if you it remember. Definitely did. Okay? It definitely did. But, like, that was it. Now, not only did they have that, they just had a week-long uh, documentary where one of their... Um, not an anchor. I think he does anchors, some of their shows. Yeah. Uh, Peter Hegseth, I believe his name Hegseth? is. Hegseth? Hegseth. And he went journeying um, with his pastor through the Holy Land, and they brought all the cameras with them, and they kind of were walking in the footsteps of of Jesus. Oh, my goodness. Now, again, there is nothing wrong with that. That sounds like an interesting little special. Potentially. But I'm not looking for it on the evening news. Yeah. Okay? And yes, I would, of course, say the same thing if this popped up on CNN. Yeah. Or, well, I don't think MSNBC believes in God, but (laughs) you get my point. (laughs) And like I said, their their full rotation of religious based marketing and commercials, yeah. from the My Pillow guy to the you know, the Mike Huckabee stuff, yeah. to even Franklin Graham, the son of Billy Graham, right. has this one little commercial where really all it is is, is a a call to Jesus conversion moment, yeah. Yeah. basically saying, "Does your life suck?" All you got to do is surrender it to God and then call and this number. that'll fix everything. Right. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. It's like that kamikaze raid yeah. on these old people that probably have the weight of the world on their shoulders yeah. made worse by what they're watching on the news, mm. the world falling apart. Yeah, yeah. And like I said, it's, it's not the religious aspect of, that bothers me. And as you had mentioned when we talked about it previously, you know there are channels dedicated yes. to faith-based programming. Yes, that's they're still out you, there. Yes, and that's where you would expect... To see this stuff, yep. or on the off chance, you know, like over the years, CBS, NBC, they had Highway to Heaven, right? With Michael Landon, yeah, I remember. Um, Touched by an Angel, I believe, was on CBS, yeah. And these these shows ran a long time because there is an audience for this, clearly. obviously, clearly. But they know to keep it on a network where these shows appear as entertainment, yeah, yeah. Not telling you how to live your life or how why things are happening the way they are. Because yeah. it's it's a slippery slope, it, and it makes you uncomfortable. And, yeah. uh, and well, let me bounce this off. And first, I gotta say, as a little aside, Mike Huckabee gives me douche chills. Okay, <laughs> ever since the whole thing with the with the the trans and the bathroom thing, and he was talking about how well, if I was in high school, you know, I I you know put on a wig so I could get into the girls' bathroom. It's like, dude, you you really need to you really need All to right, take that's a, a youth back. thing. You've got to yeah, I know it, it's a little a little aside. But, he just wanted an excuse to curse in this episode. Indeed. But go ahead. <laughs> And I thought it worked. I, I thought it worked well. Talking about Jesus. But let me bounce F-body. this off you. Yeah. Right. Going back to uh, the aughts during the, the George Bush, the second George Bush administration, mm-hmm. and I think it still goes on today, there was, there was this distinct fear on the right-hand side of the dial about Sharia law. Right. How much of this is a positioning of you know, the good Christian soldiers mm-hmm. as a, a stopgap, a bulwark, a whatever, a levy, I don't know what the proper right. reference term is, of, you know, what they're feeling is like encroaching mm-hmm. uh, Islamic fervor, uh, right. Muslim... Or, uh, or insert foreign horde here. It, yeah, it's that, that mentality. Yeah, that, yeah. And kudos, it's an excellent question. Okay. And looking at it again, just from a marketing standpoint, yeah. it's in the Western mind... 
very sexy to position ourselves, or in this case, let's say Fox, right. as um, uh, an innate version of the Battle of, of Thermopylae. Okay, so here yeah. we are, yeah. Western civilization, 300 good men against yeah. the unwashed, an epic you know, story, I Eastern horde, yeah, right? Serious. And some people would say that the movie 300 is a direct reflection of that sentiment okay. because it still exists. Yeah. And yes, it's, you know, I see it first as a, a marketing ploy to create the idyllic American image, right. which you no longer see yeah. on any of the regular channels or any Ever other since newscasts. Certainly. Happy Days got canceled. Right, yeah. exactly. And that's an, an excellent point because as hokey as that was, yeah. You know, Fox extols the virtues of a pious family, mm-hmm. of a strong nuclear family, yeah. which adheres to, let's say, you know, perhaps dated dogma, both religious and from the founding fathers. Right. Okay. And this is not to disagree with any of that stuff, but this is where they are hanging their hat mm-hmm. and creating the niche for themselves to be the last bastion of squeaky clean. White America, the way things should be done. And even white America, I I, I say that somewhat loosely because they offer up opinions by other faith-based leaders, such as rabbis, Baptist ministers, Protestant, you know, reverends. Nothing really, like you said, from Islam, per se, okay? And I think that's because every other person, male and female on Fox, is a former Navy SEAL. (laughs) It's it's part of the application, apparently. I've I've noticed that. I've never known a, a tiny elite unit to actually have that many future newscasters in it, but whatever. It's in the job description. It is in the job yes. description. Can you kill a man inside of three seconds? Yes. <laughs> You've got a program. Indeed. So yeah, it's just one of those things that I wanted to talk about because it's it's obvious. And now yeah. people will go back and look at it and say, you know what? That that loud one was right. There, there's there's a, a whole lot of preaching going on here. It, it's it's like a revival. Yeah, and this is legitimate, folks. This has Bonnie, bothered Johnny Teflon considerably. I've noticed over the last week. You know, he wants his news to be his news. Just news. I want it dry and boring, like yeah. my chicken. I like it dry and boring. There you go. You don't need to put all kinds Maybe of fancy a dash stuff of salt, on it. Dash of pepper, right? but that's it. Well, I bring my own salt. Clearly, oh, there we go. Of course, of course. So yeah, it's it's a, it's a legitimate concern, obviously, and and I I completely agree with you. You know, I don't like my news and my spiritual. I don't like anything mixed with my spirituality. Thank you very much. Right. You know, just no. You know, <laughs> I, I I the purity of it. You know, I I prefer it to be left. You know, in its own unique place. Mm-hmm. You know, and don't 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 poison it or, or, or dilute it with. Reality, right? You know? And even when they had a little sub special, uh, when they had their, because they've got their own Christmas tree in New York City. <laughs> you got the main one in Rockefeller Center, and then you've got the Fox tree because we, we 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 can't have the heathen exactly. Because you know? <laughs> Lord knows who's touched that tree, you know. So they they have a ceremony like this tree, and they had all of these different. Um, faith-based personalities out there to give their own blessing. Right. And I got to say that the rabbi was fantastic. Yeah. He was colorful. He had everybody laughing. Nice. But it was just kind of, it was, it was heavy-handed, you yeah. know, which is a sad commentary because none of us want to think of religion that way. No. Regardless of what it actually is. And like he touched on, look, the, the, the corruption and in, in organized religion, we could do 50 shows on that. It, yeah. it is what it is. Yeah. But... Again, now it's 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 using it as as like a brand, 
And there's something about that just uh, that makes me feel dirty, yeah. you know. And it's just yeah. it's, there's no need for it. So yeah. though we're in in different places as far as you know religion and spirituality. I feel the same way you do on that. Yeah. One. So I overall, totally this do. is me wagging my finger at Fox, <laughs> saying, "You know, you should be ashamed of yourselves. Get it together over there, right. Jesus." And that's why this middle gem, because yeah, magically it's that time. Indeed, this middle gem goes right to you, Fox, yes. amongst others that would, you know, use the name of the Lord to make a buck. Yeah, this one has a little <laughs> bite to it. And has a lot of bite to it because uh, <laughs> of the messenger, you know? Indeed. Uh, this is a little ditty by one of our collective favorites, Mr. Johnny Cash. Yes. Called God's Gonna Cut You Down. The man in black. Pay attention, folks. It's words to live by, and we'll be right back in a few minutes with some more things and stuff. can run on for a long time, run on for a long time, run on for a long time. Sooner or later, gotta cut you down. Sooner or later, gotta cut you down. Go tell that long-tongued liar, go and tell that midnight rider, tell the rambler, the gambler, the backbiter, tell him that God's gonna cut him down. Tell them that God's gonna cut them down Well, my goodness gracious, let me tell you the news My head's been wet with the midnight dew I've been down on bended knee Talking to the man from Galilee He spoke to me with a voice so sweet I thought I heard the shuffle of angels sweet He called my name and my heart stood still When he said, John, go do my will Go tell that long-tongued liar Go and tell that midnight rider Tell the rambler, the gambler, the backbiter Tell him that God's gonna cut him down Tell him that God's gonna cut him down You can run on for a long time Run on for a long time Run on for a long time Sooner or later, gotta cut you down. Sooner or later, gotta cut you down. Well, you may throw your rock, hide your hand, working in the dark against your fellow man. But as sure as God made black and white, what's done in the dark will be brought to the light. You can run on for a long time, run on for a long time, run on for a long time. Sooner or later, gotta cut you down. Sooner or later, gotta cut you down. Go tell that long-tongued liar. Go and tell that midnight rider. Tell the rambler, the gambler, the backbiter. Tell him that God's gonna cut you down. Tell him that God's gonna cut you down. Tell him that God's gonna cut you down. Damn. Right? <laughs> nobody, but nobody brings it like the man in black. But here's a funny snippet about that song, which, okay. by the way, like I said, it's called God's Gonna Cut You Down. Yes. Originally done, it's, it's actually just an American folk song. Yeah. Old as dirt. Right. Originally recorded back in 1946. Okay. It's been done by a lot of people, oddly enough, yeah. including both Elvis and resident show favorite, Mr. Tom Jones. <laughs> 
And then one of your favorites, Marilyn Manson. He nice. did a version of it yeah, as well. Yeah, I'm sure he did. And, uh, you know, this one from Johnny Cash, of course, appears on America 5, uh, 100 Highways. Yeah. Uh, and it did receive a Grammy for the best video, which you and I were watching beforehand. Yeah. yeah. A, a veritable cavalcade of... Wow, a lot of them have since passed themselves. Yeah. Of, let's just say, interesting celebrities. Faces that in black and white. Yes, very photographical. Know, and took on a kind of a Mount Rushmore quality mm-hmm. to them, like the stories that just the pictures of those faces told. Perfect. Like, you know, we're talking like Iggy Pop, we're talking like Keith Richards. Yep. Dennis Hopper. Like, yeah, you know, just the, <laughs> the wrinkles and the wear and tear, yep. and just the, the age and, the, the again, the stories, you know? Yeah. And yeah, that song has a very transcendental quality to it that, you know, makes it not at all a surprise that it dates way back to, you know, a folk era mm-hmm. kind of a thing. But, you know, you put that material in the hands of certain people like Johnny Cash, it just resonates. Even the Blind Boys of Alabama did a cover of that I'll song. I'll bet it was cool, too. <laughs> right? I'll bet those guys did it justice. <laughs> and the reason we came at everybody with, with this one is, is twofold. It harkens back to what we just spoke about. Yep. And uh, I'll give a, a free warning to those idolaters and <laughs> whatnot out there. Look at me. See, I, could, I would be amazing in a, in a pulpit. You Seriously. probably would. Get everybody fired up and I'm dancing, talking you, in man. tongues like De Niro at the end of Cape Fear. Yep, yep. But no, it's just saying, look, cut your crap because somebody's keeping score. Yeah. And whether it be, you know, like I said, the the the, the shysters and the backbiters and God's going to get you. Yeah. So get your shit on the straight and narrow. And that's yeah. what's up with that. And it instills the, well, if you will, the fear of God into us, yep. which is our bridge into topic number two. Fear. Fear. <laughs> <laughs> the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. And that's an amazing quote by former President Franklin Delano Roosevelt, of course. it was. But, um, yeah, it's... uh, Why do these two things match today? They really don't. But often, what keeps the rabble in line? If it ain't religion, it's probably fear. And sometimes it's fear induced by religion. Religion, yeah. Yeah, Literally, literally. It's it's hanging over you, you know, the fire and brimstone, Mm -hmm. and, you know, the potential that you will go to this place called... Hell, right? Which and, I hear is know, not pleasant at which you're, all. You're stuck in for eternity, like the DMV. Yeah, right. <laughs> oh, I certainly <laughs> hope that hell is like a lot uh, more efficient. I think so. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Same Ooh. gray walls, though. Same. <laughs> now serving one thousand and two, and you're five. Uh, wasn't that a scene in Beetlejuice? Yes. Yeah, yes. Yeah. Good. So stuff. you know there are different kinds of. Fear. There's the fear that makes you do things. There's fear that keeps you from doing things. And then there's... There's the fear that paralyzes you. And and it's normally irrational. Because it's different for everybody. This is true. There are some things, and I'm sure out of our individual top threes, there will be some that cross the gamut and everybody can kind of relate to. Yep. But some of them... And I'm cheating because you already told me here. Some of them are (laughs) really just you. You you own that shit. Irrational. Yes, Irrational. Uh, and sometimes we're, is, we're born with them, and sometimes there are things that have happened. Well, there's definitely fears that are unique to your personality. Yes. You know, and, and how you've developed, you know, who you are and your, your personal beliefs and yep. whatnot. So, yeah, some of that may come out uh, in this particular feature. All right. So we're square with that. Would you like to go first, sir? <laughs> oh, shit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah, this is going to be revealing, but what the hell? All right. I'm... Uh, for number three, I'm going to go with uh, any spider larger than a silver dollar. <laughs> Again, 
It's it's part of our DNA. They're fucking diabolical, man. There's nothing They're redeeming. Diabol- there's nothing redeeming. Well, there's an spider. element of intelligence to these to these spiders. The way they kill. But it's well, you know, there might be, or it might just be what we project onto them. I had read an article some years ago that kind of expressed the opinion that the reason we don't like spiders is yeah. simply because of the whole eight-legged thing. Because there's nothing else yeah, in you nature were, you were, you were with eight that. legs, yeah, you know. Yeah. An ant's got six. So it's like, all right, it's an ant. Nobody's afraid of an ant. Most creatures we know either have four or two. So that's in our wheelhouse since, like, genetic memory to Neanderthal times. Right, right. But then you got this little thing, okay? Yeah, yeah. Like you say, has a perceived, let's call it a spidey sense. Is that taken? I don't know. Mm. But, yeah, they know where you are. They know where they need to be. They move very quickly when they need to. Yeah. And it's like sometimes not knowing where they are well, is the, worse than knowing where they are. Well, it's the way they go about doing it. And, and just as a little quick aside, it's funny you bring that up because growing up, Spider-Man was one of my, one of my favorite superheroes. Uh-huh. But, you know, these things paralyze you. You know, they immobilize you. So, like, you're frozen and you're stuck while they consume you. Yes. Okay. It's not a good way to go. That's freaky shit right yeah, there, man. Yeah. You know, it's kind of like the Lord of the Rings thing. You know, I'm going to zap your She-lobe. ass. And then I'm going to wrap you up, you know. It's like I'm going to stuff you in a refrigerator for, you know, for yep. you know, a little late night bite. It just, you know, like I said, there's an element of intelligence and, and diabolical treachery to how spiders right. go about killing you. Yep. That, like I said, if you're bigger than a silver dollar, I'm taking your shit out. All right, sure, and I'm sure. taking you out with a baseball bat. I'm not not mucking around. <laughs> I'm taking your ass out. I would uh, I would hear stories of my friends who had served in the Gulf. Yeah, and they would tell me about, and you could find these online. And there's a, a little critter they have over there called a camel spider. Okay, which so according to what people have said, yeah. and it's always tongue in cheek. You never know how vets are. I'm they, sure this is going to give me nightmares. But totally, yeah, please proceed. Because they scream as they run at you. Oh Jesus! Yes, supposedly. Oh, no. And they're God. huge, and they'll hide in your boots and everything. Nice. And I, more than a, a few of my friends were like, "Yeah, once you got used to the camel spiders, everything else was easy." They'll hide over in there. your boots. Oh good. Of course. Oh good. Yeah. And the story I told you once about uh, a young lady I was speaking to who was from Australia. Yes. And went back to visit. And she said it had been so long since I had been there that when I rented a car, I forgot to tell the clerk, please debug it. Debug the car. Which in the spring season That's you need to do. effed up. I'm sorry. Because she yes. says there's, there's tarantula. Maybe some of our listeners in, in Australia could send me an email and corroborate this. Yeah. But she said the tarantulas are everywhere. Dropping off the visor as you yep. jump in the car. In her rental car, in one week, there was three of them in there. Jesus. And literally, like you just said, dropped from the visor, was hanging out on the dashboard. Ugh. I mean... Thank you, but no. No, no. <laughs> After that, I'm, I don't know if they have Uber in Australia, but yeah, I'm Ubering it. Thank you. I will not be taking your rental car yeah. today. Thank so, you. yeah, Spiders is a good one, and uh, yeah, okay. even me to a point. Spiders, not a fan. Yeah. Just yeah. not a fan. All right, what do you got for number three, Johnny? Well, uh, I'm going to go a little more eclectic okay. than, than yours. Okay. Um, Johnny loves action figures. Yep. Johnny hates dolls. Really? Especially when they're made of porcelain. Okay. You know, those freaky old-timey little yeah. babies with the outfits and shit. They're always in the attic. Yes, where they should be. Yeah. Like, covered. hmm So, I never, even as a kid, I never liked these things. And I had a recurring dream of this one doll where, like, 
the glue was failing on one of the eyes that was on there, and it was yeah. like hanging off to the side. Uh-huh. And I swear I would have dreams, and that this this thing was like calling my name and shit. Yep. So yeah, not a fan of the no, porcelain man, dolls. That's some I don't shit. care if you put them in a little sailor suit or whatever. Yeah. Shit's coming to life and strangling well, you at night. There's an element of voodoo to it that is like freaky yeah. deaky, man. You know? Yeah. yeah. And the more old timey, the better. Like like the ultimate would be I don't know a, a life size porcelain doll. With clothing made by somebody's grandma, it's like she knitted yeah. it. That would be the ultimate, like, scary ass no doll. No doubt, no doubt. So, uh, I, I'm looking forward to seeing that movie, Megan, that's coming out about <laughs> yes, the doll that yes. comes alive. Because, yeah, that's just good, clean that, scare. That, yeah, that trailer was like, yeah, well, <laughs> you oh, should yeah. run. Yeah, you should run now. <laughs> Over to you, sir. All right, number two. And, uh, and yeah, I think this is, this is relatively common um, snakes. Call me snake. Very I don't, common. I don't. I don't like snakes. Um, something about, and this isn't all reptiles. Mm-hmm. Um, reptiles with legs, I have no problem with. You know, okay. iguanas are cool, um, but I think it's a total lack of emotion mm-hmm. in the way they go about killing things. Right. You know, and the fact that they slither. Yeah. Just. It's just, yeah. And again, going back to you know what they they call genetic memory. Yeah. Clearly, the majority of society has a problem with snakes, or yeah. the snake would not been representative of of the devil in the Bible. Yeah. Yeah. It could have been a wildebeest yeah, hanging literally. out of a tree, but yeah. no, they chose a snake for yeah, a reason. There's a literary <laughs> component to it. I was just watching. I think it was the third Jurassic Park film the other night, uh-huh. and they were hiding behind the waterfall. Mm-hmm. You know, when the Tyrannosaurus is outside. Right. And the snake comes down and goes into the guy's shirt. Uh-huh. And he's like so freaking out. And he's like, you know. And of course, the Tyrannosaurus picks up on this, sees the motion, because apparently they're, they're motion triggered. <laughs> you know, leans through the waterfall, grabs his ass. Right. You know, thank you, snake. You know, that's the kind of shit that snakes <laughs> So you're like Indiana you. Jones when it comes to snakes. Completely, that's where you draw completely. the line. Snakes and spiders. That scene, like, <laughs> totally freaked me out, too. Yeah. Yeah, just don't don't dig them, man. Don't dig them. All right, fair enough. Yeah. See now, conversely, not that uh, snakes don't bother me. Go really? Figure. Yeah. Interesting. Human snakes, I got a problem with, but yeah. actual snake snakes, yeah, the not ones so much. Lawyers, I think. Yeah. With briefcases and <laughs> nice suits. Yeah. Or salesmen. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> Private joke, folks. Sorry. Yeah. Uh. All right. Well, my next one again, going going towards the, uh, just yeah, amorphous uh, eclectic side. Okay. Deep dark water. Ooh. Really border that I can't see the bottom of, and I found like in it. Yeah. So we're talking the ocean, basically. Yeah. yeah. I, uh, you know, the ocean to me is nothing more than one giant bottomless graveyard. Yeah. And yet there's living shit in there too. Oh yeah. And you never really know what's in there until it's too late and it's nibbling yeah. on you. So yeah. yeah. And there's stuff in there that don't it it doesn't consider you the top of the food chain. Not even a, a little fact, bit. It considers <laughs> your food. Yeah. <laughs> what was it? The movie The Deep. Well, that the commercial where they they like really pushed that exact image that you just just communicated quite possibly uh, like yeah. you don't know what's underneath the water yeah yeah and it was like and it was a shit. spate of those like in the eighties there was uh, Deep Star Six yeah um, the Deep the yeah. Abyss yes because yes. um, it's just a foreign it's I mean it's worse than outer space we're worried about going to Mars yeah we need to find out what is in the deepest darkest regions of all the oceans oh, yeah. first what well, was it the first alien film where they said no one hears you scream in space right no one hears you scream underwater either nope and if you get a pop in your suit you get squished like an egg there you go that's what's up with that indeed <laughs> indeed a viable fear I must say Johnny yep. I gotta say 
So anyway. So anyway, what's your uh, your next one? Well, we're going to get deeply psychological on this one. Why wouldn't we? Uh, because this is one I can't I can't quite put my finger on. All right. But it's a reoccurring dream I have. Um, and you know, anybody who's listened to to uh, Riffs and Rants knows I spent 25 years of my life in Southern California, uh, and this. I don't, even, yeah, I don't even know if I could refer to it as a nightmare per se, but this dream started to develop shortly after I moved back to the East Coast back in 2010. But in the dream, I am leaving somebody's uh, apartment or house on the west side of Los Angeles. Typical bright, sunny California day. Perfect. Mm-hmm. Like, so perfect, it's eerie. Right. And I have my car keys in my hand, and I'm walking away from this place, and I'm looking for my car. Anybody who knows Southern California, particularly the West Side of L.A., knows that these neighborhoods can, can kind of blend in and become identical mm-hmm. uh, to the extent that you can't differentiate one from the other. And I'm walking, I'm circling blocks and, and looking for my car, and I can't find my car. And there's a, there's a uh, I don't know, uh, uh, an impression that I'm on a limited... Uh, time frame. Okay. You know, I, I need to find the car soon because there's some place I need to be. Mm-hmm. And if I'm not there, bad things are going to happen. And I'm circling the blocks and I'm walking and I'm walking and I can't find the goddamn car. And it just gets worse and worse and worse. And it gets more and more anxiety to the point where the anxiety actually snaps me out of my sleep and I wake up in a co- the typical cold sweat. Mm. And it takes me a minute to realize that I'm not there anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, as a matter of fact, I haven't been there for quite some time. Hmm. And I think the thing that freaks me out about this is I don't know exactly what it is that I'm afraid of. You know, I don't know what it is that's, that's, that's driving this fear and creating this ridiculous anxiety to the extreme point that I wake up and I've had this dream enough times that when I find myself in it, it's like, oh shit, this again. You know, and I can't snap myself out of it until the anxiety hits that peak, mm-hmm. and then, boom, I'm out of it in, right. in the cold sweat in the middle of the night, you know? And I feel bad for anybody that's, like, trying to sleep next to me as I'm going through this, because I'm sure I'm thrashing about, sure, you know? Sure. And I'm sure I'm not making sense, and I might even be babbling my sleep, which, given some of the girls that I spend my time with, would probably amuse the shit out of them, <laughs> you know? <laughs> Sadistic ladies that they are. <laughs> but I think that's the thing that freaks me out most about it, because I know it's irrational, right? And I don't know what it is. And it sounds like it, it's a it's a recurring, it's like a it rerun is. dream. Yes. So now some people, like I can do this sometimes. I'll recognize a dream when it's a rerun dream. Yeah. And I'm able to maneuver inside of the dream and change the outcome. Right. And if I can't change the outcome because it means I meet a grisly end, yeah. That which, that makes me really anxious and I hopefully will wind up, you know, waking up before that happens. Interesting. But a lot of times there are familiar places that don't exist in the real world. Right. But I've been in dreams and I'll go back and revisit it and I'll know how to navigate my way around because I had been there already. Yeah. Well Very I haven't empowering. quite reached that point. Um and maybe next time I fall into this bottomless pit of hell, mm-hmm. I will keep that in mind. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, I it's to the point now where I've had the dream enough times that when I find myself in it, it's like oh shit, this again, right? You know, and I got to somehow sort my way out of it, mm-hmm. and I end up doing the same thing, you know, circling the block, circling the block, circling, ah, boom, right. awake. <laughs> you know, at three o'clock in the morning. You know, and it's like, shit, try and go back to sleep after that. Oh, yeah. I mean, therapists would have a field day with I'm you. I'm quite sure they would. <laughs> that and a, a whole bunch of other shit. 
Well, my final one yes. is uh, is very common. Okay. And as I you know thought about it, it's actually got like a, like a sidebar offshoot, but yeah, it falls under the main umbrella of clowns, which oh. so many people have an issue with clowns. Yes. Just all just larger than life and bulbous. And, I have you know. three words for you, John Wayne Gacy. Yeah, seriously. I mean, yeah. and and to me, that's what they all look like. There's just there's something creepy about it. But here's the thing. Yeah. For me, it, it extends okay. to any form of really like like one-on-one or interactive uh, live performances. Yeah. So, for instance, I don't really respond well in the theater. Okay. Watching a live performance of something. Yeah. So, a, a funny scene that actually happened when I was in college. All right. Early on in the semester, I had met this young lady. We had some fun. She was a theater major. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I took as a class the next semester a survey of theater, so I had to go see these different things. Okay. And one of these events, I took my new girlfriend at the time, because she was also in the class with me, to go see a presentation. I'll be damned if I remember it. It was uh, was a theater in the round. I remember that. All right. And it was a play about the leader of the French Revolution after they had sent him to an asylum. Okay. So it's about uh, the writings between him and the Marquis de Sade, something to that effect. Yeah. And all of the extras, okay, yeah. are in straight jackets and playing lunatics in an asylum of the 1700s, which is pretty damn creepy. Yes, it is. Well, this young lady who I had the previous tryst with uh, was one of the actors in this oh. play, recognized me immediately oh. and took up position seated to my right. Oh, oh. In a straight jacket wow. and tattered clothing, wow. screaming and and yelling out obscene like Tourette's style like curses, both that in English so and French. Sadistic shit! Wow. And I've got my now same time highly entertained current girlfriend <laughs> who has no idea of the connection between me and the lunatic to uh, my right, or the one playing the lunatic to my right. You can't make this shit. You up. You can't make this shit up. Talk about stressful. Wow. So now I've got the a. I don't want these two talking to each other. Naturally. B, I'm already anxious as hell because I'm in the spirit of the round. I can't escape. It's like I'm part of the friggin' show. Damn. This one's screaming <laughs> in my ear. It was bad. It was bad. It was like all those things wow. just mushing together. You That's know, time, man. Yeah, total, yeah. total. And like, like, I don't know. It, it's You'd even extend it to people dressed up as, as characters. Yeah. I had gone to um, my cousin's house because one of his little daughters was having her first birthday, right? Right, right. And these things, you know, it, it's for the parents. The one-year-old obviously has no idea what's going on. Yeah. But they put together this, this beautiful little party, and all the neighbors were there and the coworkers and everything. And kind of standing out was a character in a Winnie the Pooh costume. Yeah. The Winnie the Pooh costume was a bit tired it had like the little pills all over the felt and everything. Yeah, it was like yeah. a little dirty in spots. Yeah, yeah. Well, here's my curse for the episode because this motherfucker would not leave me alone. Like every no. time I turned, there he was. Damn. Or she, I don't know. Right. Could have been a, a, a tranny in there. For, but <laughs> this, this poo was over my shoulder like impending doom. Everywhere I went, I'm, I'm, wow. I'm at the buffet getting some ribs. I turned. There they are. I can see where that would go bad. Right? Like, and I go bad. back and I sit and I'm, I'm looking at everybody else. I'm like, maybe this is just in my head because often these things are. Yeah, yeah. But they're looking too like, is that a friend of yours or something? What's going like, on here? Just yeah. hovering, man. Just hovering. Wow. Which maybe they just had a really sick sense of humor. <laughs> and they can, I guess if you do this for a living, you would know what people in your crowd like just 
yeah. look uncomfortable towards yeah. you, you know? Yeah, but what kind of sadistic like person would zero in on that? Zeroed in. It person just, who's ugh. uncomfortable and wow. It was horrible. And it was a hot August day, so Damn. I couldn't even like like escape really. And it's just Oh, yeah. it was bad. It was bad. And I was still a smoker at the time, <laughs> but my family didn't know it, you oh, know? okay. So I didn't want them to, like, since when did you start smoking, you You're asthmatic, you know? You're a smoker, yeah. So, yeah, there was no hard liquor. There was no cigarettes. I just had to, like, Jesus. deal with it. So, wow. You know, life lessons. But, yeah, so that's that's easily my third. Man, I don't, I don't know how, how <laughs> clowns could even, like, exist anymore, given all this. I mean... You know, maybe final nail in the coffin was the Joker. Right. You know, I mean, how could that even be anymore as entertainment, particularly entertainment <laughs> for little kids? You know, I mean, never mind Barnum and Bailey. Goodbye with the clown right. car, you know? And I think even worse, you know, for me, what's worse than like, let's say your average bozo type yeah. clown or yeah. the Ronald McDonald clown sure. is like the sad Emmett Kelly clown. Yeah. Like, boy lovers. He's just got a razor in his pocket and he's ready to use it. Yeah, you know. He's riding the rails. Yep. He's a drifter, you yeah, know. Yeah. And everyone's like, oh, look at him. Like like Red Skelton used to do the clown. You look at that now. That did not age well. No. There's something no. innately creepy no. he about He is a that. deranged serial killer. Right. Now. You hear yeah. Sinatra saying, saying, sending the clowns. To me, it's like a threat. Yeah. Never ask a Navy man if you'll have another drink. Because there's nobody's goddamn business how many drinks he's had already, right? <laughs> is that a song? <laughs> Send in the clown. No, please don't. Yeah, or the Judy Collins version, <laughs> which is now creepy <laughs> as hell, you know? Indeed. Uh, so there you have it, folks. Damn. Those are our top three respective irrational fears. Indeed. Which really, if you think about it, all fears are rational. Yeah, you yeah. know, fear is there for a reason. It helps keep us alive. Yeah, you know? yeah, it's a, it's a, yeah, it's a survival mechanism. You know, you see the clown looming, <laughs> you run, you run, you run and Oof. you run. Yeah. How about that clown from Poltergeist? Oh, I lived under a kid's Jesus bed. They came man. to life. And Seriously. Just, wow. All right, we got to get something uh, else. Tell yeah. me, you have a third gem. For I, I do. All right, do. what do you got? I think this might like maybe compound things at least initially. <laughs> <laughs> but but I do feel like in the long run and at the end, people will understand the insight and the wisdom behind this. Um, this is the classic, classic 1976 uh, Blue Oyster Cult song, Don't Fear the Reaper. Absolutely good, too. And low-hanging fruit, but you know what? It's so freaking perfect. So let's play this one for you. We'll be right back with uh, some things and stuff and a wrap-up, so stay tuned. Yeah. 
Solid tune. Yeah. A classic rock staple. The epitome of classic rock, I yes. gotta say. Uh, that was, of course, from the 1976 Blue Oyster Cold album, Agents of Fortune. Mm -hmm. And um, a lot of people, the lyrics apparently, um, you know, mainly the Romeo and Juliet reference, uh -huh. uh, apparently led a lot of people to think that the song lyrically was about a murder-suicide pact. But uh, the song's writer, uh, Blue Oyster Cold lead guitarist Buck Dharma, Mm -hmm. Yes, lead guitarist Don Rosner. <laughs> Real name. <laughs> Real name Don Rosner. Uh, insisted that the uh, song was in fact, or the lyrics were in fact about eternal love and the inevitability of death, of course. You know, it's unavoidable when you listen to the song. Right. But, uh, but you know, it, it curios curiously, curiously, is that a word? Curiously? It is now. Sure. Curiously, the song very much took on a life of its own, you know, beyond that, um, amongst other things. Stephen King, legendary horror writer Stephen King, mm -hmm. uh, says that it was his inspiration for the book The Stand. Interesting. Uh, the song was featured both in the first and the last uh, Halloween films, the horror films. Mm -hmm. There was like, what, 20 films between the first About and that, the last? Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and of course, everybody is aware of the legendary uh, April 2000 Saturday Night Live skit. I got a fever. And the only prescription... It's more cowbell. <laughs> so it's just, you know, <laughs> Indeed. You just, you know, you can't predict these things when you write a song. Right. Um, <laughs> but, you know, credit to Blue to Colt and credit to Buck Dharma. That kind of sounds like something out of Boogie Nights, doesn't it? It Buck does. Buck Dharma. Buck Dharma. Yeah, you know. But, uh, yeah, makes the song legendary and, you know, ideal for our purposes yeah. today. And so. I always thought, just for an inane reference, that yeah. it sounded very much like something... That could have or would have been done by uh, the Moody Blues. It does. It's got that same kind of just yeah. melodic, trancey kind of. Yep, no doubt. Whatever. No doubt. And, you know, the Moody Blues did uh, inspire, I'm sure, yep. many bands that came after them. Uh, and Blue Oyster Cult could very well have been one of those bands. Yes. I'll have to trade that with uh, Mrs. X because I know she's a big Moody Blues fan. Oh, there we go. There we go. I should so. be happy to mention her. So yes. there. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> So anyway, speaking of death. Yes, unfortunately, uh, as much as, look, let me just preface it with this, as much as we're making a conscious effort not to be the gloom and doom crypt keepers. Yes. Because look, everybody's dying. It's a fact of life. It is. But when somebody as monumental as this individual passes, we have to say something or, you know, we can't really attach ourselves to the genre of classic rock. Yeah, we have actually... A standard as far as who we mention and who we don't. We do now because yes, it is really <laughs> an unfortunate fact of life that people people do pass away. Right. But uh, there are certain people that go that have to be acknowledged, and in this case, of course, we're talking about Jeff Beck. Yep. Uh, Jeff passed on, I believe it was January 10th, at the mm -hmm. age of 78, uh, an absolutely, absolutely iconic artist, and he was the definition of an artist uh, of classic rock. Um, he was. Someone who had a very, very distinct style, very much all his own. Uh, but personality-wise, I think that was one of the most unique things about Jeff Beck, is he did not seek out stardom. Mm -hmm. uh, he was a very iconic personality. Right. He very much had a almost Neil Young sensibility of, if he didn't dig things, he would walk. Sure. You know, he didn't care about fame. He didn't care about money. There were, those things were not on his agenda. And, uh, you know, an inspiration for... Everybody that came after him right. that played guitar. And, uh, you know, we're going to end tonight's show 
as we do very rarely. Very rarely. Uh, with <laughs> the fourth gem, and it's a special occasion when we go with the fourth gem. Mm -hmm. uh, and we went back and forth, you know, it, a, a very substantial uh, amount of work that this guy did right. uh, to go through uh, his catalog and come up with something that we felt was fitting mm -hmm. uh, for... Uh, our purposes and for our nod and our respect to Jeff Beck. And, well, a little baby nod to you because he totally changed my opinion on the one that I wanted to play <laughs> once you introduced this other one, yeah. which rarely happens, folks, when I get an idea in my head. It's hard to steer me away from it, if you can imagine that. But nope, Michael Sean Lee flexed his classic rock chops and says, no, John, this one's better. <laughs> and he was absolutely correct. Well, credit to Johnny Teflon that he is open to arguments <laughs> such as this. Hey, when you're right, you're right. Yeah. Well, it's a, it's a tough one to deny because this particular song featured uh, British rock royalty. Totally. Of 1966. This song features Jimmy Page, Keith Moon, John Paul Jones, and Nicky Hopkins. I mean, that just, it's, it, it makes its own argument. Yeah. You and know? it rocks. Yeah. Straight up. Yeah. Was that 50, 60 years old? It still rocks. It's stunning. It's absolutely <laughs> stunning. And it is recognized by uh, just about everyone in the know as one of the great rock instrumentals of all time. Uh, this was a song Jeff did in 1966, and uh, I'm sure people know exactly what I'm referencing. This is Bex Bolero. There you go. So we're going to use this as our fade-out tune tonight. Enjoy it, everybody. I hope you enjoyed everything we came at you with tonight. <laughs> we did. And as always, I'm Johnny Teflon. And I'm Michael Sean Lee. And we'll see you all on the flip side.